Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Welcome to After the Jag Corps, navigating your career progression, a podcast for judge advocates leaving military service. After the Jag Corps assists officers transitioning from the military law practice by learning from individuals who have successfully embarked on new careers, providing insight on rewarding professional opportunities, job search strategies, resumes, the value of your military experience, and more. Now, here is your host, Tom Welsh. Today on the podcast, we are talking to Augustus Turner, a former Army JAG who left the service last summer and is now, well, kind of streaming near you. So, Augustus, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> hey, it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it, Tom. So, Augustus, I gave him a little teaser there. What are you doing these days? So, I am a, a entertainment lawyer for Amazon Prime Video. Okay. Well, that sounds exactly like what you did in the Army. So, we'd love to hear all about <laughs> your how you connected from Army to entertainment law. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. Start. Where do you want me well, to start? Uh, the process or what motivated me to move or to make the move or what? Why don't you give us a quick bio of your army time? And then what was your thinking okay. about getting out at the 11 year mark? Because people, if they look at your LinkedIn, they'll find out. But sort of what was your motivation getting out and how did you end up in entertainment law? I'm just looking forward to this story. Awesome. The background on the Jack career follows the kind of a typical path uh, for someone on active duty in the Army JAG Corps. Started off in Fort Knox, Kentucky, doing legal assistance. I was the head salsa. I was the, I did BJA time for Cadet Command, PCS to Bragg for the 82nd, where I did my trial counsel time. We, we deployed into uh, Iraq for ISIS, where I did operational law work. I did federal appeals for the defense appellate in Alexandria got promoted, went to do contracts, and from there ended up here where I'm still at in Huntsville, Alabama at uh, the headquarters for Army Contracting Command. If you had asked me, probably when I was in Virginia, when I was in def- doing defense appellate work or when I was in the grad course, if you had asked me, you know, are you going to get out or stay? I would have told you I'm staying for 20 years. you, you got to be kidding me. This is like living out of an action movie. <laughs> so the, the work is so fulfilling. The, the work I was able to do, uh, whether it's overturned by wrongful convictions, help save an Iraqi city from ISIS, or I mean, the numerous victims and clients of help, the work is so fulfilling, it's so rewarding, and it makes you feel proud of what you do. And then not a lot of lawyers can say that. But for me, what, what changed was the circumstances with my kids. You know, when I first joined the Army, I did not have kids. I had a wife, um, and I, got two, I have two beautiful kids. I think it was easy to move when they were, you know, babies and toddlers. But once we got to Virginia, they started getting uh, connections. And I, I couch all this to say, once well, about for about five, six, seven years, I told my wife, you know, hey, I'm just, I've done the cool stuff. I, I don't want to be that family that stays just to catch another medal or promotion or deployment or chase, you know, get to some certain specific type of unit. 
I didn't want to drag the family around for that. I said, Hey, and, and I'm a military. I'm my dad was in the military back, back before I was born. I, I always told her, Hey, if you, if you want me to stop the, this carousel, just let me know. But w- w- with our kids, it, w- it was that the moving and ripping them sort of out of their relationships that they were starting to form. It was something that caused me to question, okay, are you willing to do this one, two times, you know, maybe? Sure. But when you hit, you know, when you get promoted and you look forward and you realize I've got 11 years left and you got to move every one to two years. And also I'll even throw another one, on top, another thing on top. My mother, who's seven, who's in her seventies, lives with us and has lived with us. She's my military dependent. She's been with, living with us for almost 10 years or yeah, about 10 years. She's been helping out with the kids. This PCS everywhere we went has been an absolute, I'm probably still married today because of her. Cause I mean, she's helped with, with my wife, with the kids when, you know, and helped keep things stable. We, we were able to go, me and my wife were able to go out when we need to. It, it's just been an absolute blessing, but you know, when COVID hit too, I mean, I, with the thought of moving all of them around constantly, it was, it was a really tough proposition to keep up. Uh, like I said, in COVID, COVID made a big difference too, because you're able to stay home and see the impact that it has on your family every single right. day. Whereas, you know, in the JAG Corps, normally, you, you know, in the military, you, it's hard to see your family every day. Yeah. It can be really hard. But when COVID hit, you got to be home and see it all. It was literally eye-opening. And so I thought to myself, is this, if I have to move, especially as a field grade officer, one every, potentially every year, if I get picked up for a school or if something happens in the assignment cycle and I just say, they say, hey, you got to move. Sorry, it's been a year. I know we promised you two or three, but you got to go. I know that's how it is. So I, I told myself, do I really want to rip the studs out from my kids every another five or six times? And I said, I just can't. As much as I love the work, I just couldn't do it. Sure. So I thought to myself, when I first got to Redstone, you know, I had my initial counseling with my SJA. One of the questions that she asked was, you know, like she had sent an email before and said, saying, tell me what you want to do long term, short term, very friendly. And my wife said, you got to tell her you think you're on the fence about staying in because I was. But it was hard for me to even utter it out of my mouth. It was hard for me to even say it because I felt as if I was betraying the Jack Corps. I felt like I was walking away from something that I hadn't finished. It was hard for me to even say it. But once I said it the first time and I explained it to my SJ, the issues I was having with my kids and the, the issues I foresaw, she totally understood. She said, look, I support you. Anything you need, you know, whatever you want to decide, I'm, I've got your back, which was very reassuring. So in the in that time, what I started to do was I said, if I'm really going to get out, I need to be serious about this. So mm-hmm. I, first thing I did was I said, I got to start networking again. So I got involved in the Bar Association and the National Bar Association. I joined it. <laughs> I actually joined it and started going, not just joining and put it on my profile. I actually started going to meetings. I joined the committee. I planned events. I did a panel call, um, set up a panel call you know, really put in some elbow grease. And then I also, at the same time, I started uh, working on my LinkedIn because I wanted to start reaching out to people in law school. I went to the law school at IU and Indy and I just start, you know, in law school, I would email people who had similar interests in law firms and I would just meet up with them for quick coffees. And it, it, it really built up my Rolodex and my confidence and my ability to tell my story, which would help me later when I interviewed. But anyway, I looked at my LinkedIn and I hadn't touched it in nine years. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was pretty tough. It was pretty, it was pretty ugly looking. And so I did a lot of work to try to build it back up. And I started and in here in Huntsville, it's it's one of the, it's the military contracting capital of the world, basically, because NASA's here, Army Material Command is here, Army Contracting Command is here, headquartered here. So lots of defense contractors and consultants are here. So I started, I thought to myself, well, let me contact them. And I started to reach out to them on LinkedIn, said, hey, can I talk to you for 30 minutes? I'm interested in what you do. And I went to a few contractors and consultants and they hit, a couple of them hit me back. I had a few conversations at one particular consulting firm. One top person said, hey, you should meet this person. And then I figured out I need to make sure I ask at the end of each conversation that goes, well, who else should I talk to? Who else should I be talking to in your company? After about three or four of these, they said, you need to talk to our managing partner. Met up with that person and they offered me a job on the spot. And I said, I'm not getting out for another year. year. <laughs> and they said, oh, okay, well, just keep this in mind. That made me realize, okay, I can do this. If you make the right inroads, it's possible. Fast forward to, I want to say about summer of 2021, I'm starting to work on my resume. At first, I reach out to a few of my buddies in the JAG Corps to help me with my resume. And it doesn't go well because people in the JAG Corps they want to help you write a JAG for a resume. They want to help you write an OER. And it's great. I got quite a rude awakening when I sent it to a friend of mine who works at a civilian bank. On this point, so I am assuming when you wrote your resume, it was staff judge advocate here, and I did this, and I did that, because I sort of got the, the same thing. Hey, that really doesn't mean anything on the outside. And it was I was told the focus is more on what did you do and how does that relate to what we would do? Is that sort of what mm. the wake-up call you got? The wake-up call I got was, well, I'll, I'll tell you even better. I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you one story. I'll tell you an even better one. Our office has an SES, a civilian who's over the SJA. Army contracting man has one. And that person was new. He came in with me in 2020. He had spent 24 years at FedEx legal. He's not a government guy. He's not a bureaucrat. He's not an ex-jag or anything like that. He is a pure corporate guy. And he looked at my resume and he said, there's only two things I know about the military. And that's that colonels are bosses and generals are badasses. And that's it. I don't know what major means. He said, when you say the word alibi in a meeting, I thought you guys were talking about committing a murder. (laughs) So he said, you have to write a resume that speaks to me because I'm the kind of person who's going to be reading your resume. And I know personally that you are an amazing person, but I can't, if I can't, can't read it, I will quickly lose interest in wanting to read it and figure it out. And that was a big wake up call for me. A big, 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 big wake up call for me. A couple of things I did in response to that, because I realized now who my audience was, that it was the people, it was the 99% of Americans who don't really know anything about the military except for what they see in, you know, the movies and games. I looked at the resume I'd written, and yes, you're right, it had administrative law attorney and a judge advocate, and it had these awards on there. I sent my resume again to a, a headhunter in D.C., and he said, I see this airborne stuff, and I see this meritorious service medal he's like that sounds great but i don't even know what the hell that means and again that's it's the it's deflating when you hear it i mean it, it, it's a gut punch but it is it's a wake-up call too it's like you realize just like preparing a brief you've been all week on a great brief and you realize you're like 
you got to write to the right judge, right? You got to write it a certain way for that judge to hear it and listen to it. So I realized I got to change this big time. So with my job listings, I went on to job search sites and found legal jobs, list civilian legal jobs that were a rough equivalent to what I had done across my, my military career and used those job titles. So a brigade judge advocate on my new resume quickly turned into a deputy general counsel. An administrative law attorney quickly turned into a compliance officer and brand manager. That's the kind of shift that I had to take. I also needed to make my bullets entirely based on accomplishments. Because I was using military terms in the old resume, I needed to use my bullets to explain what I was doing, what the job even meant, what a brigade judge advocate even meant. But now I use the bullets entirely to talk about accomplishments because the other thing I, I was told was that they don't care about your, they don't care about what you did overseas. What they care about is value. Show us how you will add value to our organization. And I, a light bulb went off in my head and I said, well, guess what? I think I've already written this, these bullets before in my support forms and in my evaluations, because they're almost all based on, on, on hard numbers and values that I save the command and in, in metrics. It's already written in bullet form. It's already written as an accomplishment. So I went through my awards, I went through my support forms, and I went through my OERs, and I found the best stuff from there. And it was our, effectively that did the trick for me when it says you can you save your office $10 million that's the kind of thing that the employer wanted to see. And I used it to write my LinkedIn now too. And so with my awards, I was told, hey, those are great. And those do separate you from civilians, but you need to put why you got them. So I went to my award narratives for each of them or my OERs for the period where I got my award. And I pulled the most hard-hitting facts from there and put it next to the awards. So they would know why I got it for turning around in office, that sort of language. A lot of the resume had written itself, and then I needed a summary at the top. That took a really long time because I was told that a resume reader will give you only about six seconds before they decide they're going to read the whole thing. On the other side now, having read resumes, that's a real thing. You only get one shot, and it takes, you only get a few seconds. So the summary at the top, I put it at the top, two or three sentences, and my work in the Bar Association got me nominated to the top 40 under 40 for the National Bar Association. So I used that to help leverage the work that I did and it helped to put me apart, helped to highlight me. Well, I used it as basically as a movie trailer, right? To say, hey, I'm too exciting to pass up. You've got to read the rest of this. And it gave also the resume readers something to, somewhere to start. Because otherwise they're going to just going to start that, you know, your job, your bullets, or your educate somewhere. But I wanted them to start somewhere and say, read this. And if you love it, you'll love the rest of this. point you made about now having been on the other side of the fence of reading resumes that come in, how do you know that this is a resume that you swipe left instead of swiping right or however it is that you decide to go into that, let's dig deeper pile? What is it that speaks to you when you're looking at resumes now? For me, what catches my, and obviously I'm not looking for a carbon copy of myself. What I'm looking for is someone who is taking the time to write their resume for the job they want. That's really important. One of the biggest things for me is accomplishment-based bullets, right? When your bullets just describe the, the position you have, that, that I don't know what value you brought to the organization. If you 
can tell me that about your accomplishments, even if it's not essentially say, you know, based on money or saving value, but if you can make you, the case for yourself, right? That's what I want to see. Because if you can make the case for yourself in a two-page document, you can make your case for yourself in an interview. Me personally, that's what I, I look for. And that was the other thing too. I had to also cut it down really a lot too, because it could not be longer than two pages. So that so took a while too. Quick question for you: Are you seeing cover letters or no cover letters? No, I, I don't. I don't see them. Mm-mm. Like when I ask people to, hey, send me your resume, tell me what it's, tell me what it's about. I don't see them. Let's talk about your journey to Amazon Prime. I see you went through hiring our heroes. So you got a mm-hmm. you got an int- so talk about how that was and how that benefited you. A lot of people in the corporate world, I you know, helped me with my resume. It took six months, but the guy who got it to the finish line was the general counsel for a defense contractor for Saab, and this was around the fall of 2021. He took it and he circulated around his company, and he said, "You know what? I want you to come apply for this senior corporate management position." Interviewed there, they offered me the job, uh, turned it down. It was a great company, but just wasn't right. In terms of the location and where we wanted to go. But through that experience, I got connected with Hiring Our Heroes. One of the things that they had done was, you know, they before they offered me the, the position, they referred me to a headhunter who in turn referred me to Hiring Our Heroes. And they described it as, well, this is a head, it, it's like a headhunting firm just for veterans. <laughs> it's free. And so I said, well, I got to try this out. The way it worked, I applied, I interviewed with a program manager. And to describe the program, they take your resume or they help you with your LinkedIn profile. They help you with your resume if it's already, if it's not up to snuff. They have partnerships with the Chamber of Commerce, which means all the companies that do business with the Chamber. And for one month, they'll blast your resume out to their national corporate sponsors, which are the Chamber of Commerce's national sponsors. And they'll blast your resume out to all the interested employers in a region that you want to live in or work in. For me, that was the Huntsville area. And each area, the country's divided into sections, and each section has a program manager. They're the person who interviews you. They're the person who gets your resume ready to send out. My resume got sent out in November of 2021. And for that month, I liken it to like uh, like a reality dating show because the way it works is your resume gets sent out to, for me, it was like almost 140 employers. The program manager sends it out and then they take a step back. And the companies, if they're interested in you, they interview you. So you're waiting for a call from interested companies. I didn't hear anything for the first two weeks and I got, I panicked. <laughs> I started like applying for jobs on my own because I was like, nobody's going to, nobody's talking to me. Let me apply for jobs. And so I started like, I started panic applying for jobs on every, I think I applied for a hundred jobs. Didn't get a call back from anybody with the same resume. But after that second week, they started, the interview started to roll in and they all had the same question. The first question was the same for all the potential employers. They said, we've never seen a lawyer through a skill bridge. We've never seen a a lawyer. Are you okay with taking a non-legal position? Because we didn't have a plan to bring in a lawyer. And, And for the benefit of your readers, skill bridge or hiring our heroes, it's a skill bridge. It's a DOD program. There's a whole DOD website about it. You get to extern basically during your last six months on active duty with a company. They have to have headcount. And if they like you, they offer you a job at the end once you go on terminal leave. Still, these companies who reached out, they were, were really impressed with my resume. But they were like, 
whoa, you've never seen a lawyer. And we don't have, we didn't set aside a spot for a legal position. We've got these other spots. Are you interested? And when I interviewed with Hiring Our Heroes, I was warned that that would be a big question. And so they said, are you okay saying yes? And I did. I said, yes, I am. I'm willing to take that risk to get my foot in the door. Didn't want to do the big firms. Wasn't really interested in civilian government work. I wanted to do this and take a shot. And so I did, and that kept them super interested. One of the companies that reached out was Amazon, and it was a legal recruiter. And she said, hey, just reaching out with Amazon. We wanted to gauge your interest. I was kind of surprised they reached out, and they put me through the entire hiring process. Because again, they, they made it clear to other companies that said, we've never done this with a lawyer before. Amazon's done it with hundreds of veterans before. They made it very clear to me it had never been done with a lawyer before. So when I interviewed, they put me through the full interview process. It was a, it was a writing sample on roughly five or six behavioral interviews. It was a good bit. So, And so when I applied, I wasn't asked to apply for a specific company in, the, in Amazon. So I did not pick Prime Video. I want to make that abundantly clear. I was going to be matched based on how I interviewed and how, I, and how they assessed me. I didn't say I'm picking Prime Video. In fact, when Amazon reached out, my wife talked to me and she was like, hey, what are some cool jobs you think you'd want in, in Amazon? I picked five realistic jobs and five sort of like pie in the sky jobs. And Prime Video was like in the pie in the sky category. <laughs> so. But yeah, so that's how I got connected. So when that month of interviewing period is over, you have to pick your top five companies you interviewed with and the companies, they pick those who they interviewed that they want. If there's a match at number one, then that's who you do your externship with or fellowship. They call it a fellowship, but it's, it's the same thing. So you did the internship through them. You eventually got hired onto them, but you're working remotely for now as part of your deal. How is that going? First, you know, I would think that going on to a new command, a new organization or entity, you would want to like be there to be in the culture to kind of, you know, how you get things from cross chat or those kind of things, but you're doing it from Huntsville. So tell me about the ramp up. I mean, maybe you were comfortable because you already had the internship, but how did you be able to blend with that job as seamlessly as it seems that you've done? Well, one, joining in COVID. Like every, most corporations were still entirely virtual. They mailed me all of the equipment I needed to set up a home office. They did a good job of matching me because my management, they invested a lot of time into me and they made sure that the work that I did, that there was always someone there next to me who was more experienced to ensure that I had a good transition period. When they brought me in, they brought me in at a position where my job would be not to perform, it would be to learn to learn how to be a good entertainment counsel. But part of that was when I came in, I was taking on real projects, taking on full work, you know, whether it was marketing, whether it was the licensing content, but it was always next to someone who knew more than me and give me great feedback. It's kind of like work in a, in a field. You send your brief up for review and it, you get a lot of Mark back back, but I'm someone who loves feedback. I love that because I know how much it makes me better. And I got matched up with great management. They gave me great feedback. They always made sure, even now, they always make sure that if there's a resource I need, they make sure I get it. And I do travel. I do go in occasionally, travel in to see my management. My manager sits in uh, HQ2 in DC, and I'll go and travel and see them. I'll travel to see our, our business clients as well. If anybody looks at your LinkedIn profile, they'll see that you're involved in marketing across Brazil, Mexico, and emerging Latin America. 
principal legal advisor for global ingestion and processing operations, content acquisitions on an international scale. Other than working contracts in the Army, I don't see where these are things that were in your Army background. So how quickly were you able to pick this stuff up? You've already said you had great feedback and great teams. Was it just like any other SJA job of integrating into the unit? I would say that helped a lot, right? When you go from being a trial counsel to a contract law job, that's what they say, right? When you're ready to PCS, that's when that's right when you get comfortable with the job. And the same is true moving into this space. You have to be humble, right? You have to have the right attitude and you have to be coachable. When you PCS into a new practice area, you can't come in with this level of arrogance and swagger or you'll get shut down and people won't want to help you and won't want to work with you. I treated this job the same way I treated the JAG Corps in that I'm a servant to the command. I want to make and enable them and protect their interests. I took the same approach with our business. Just like when you're in a new command, you want to spend some time with them, right? You want to, just like with an airborne unit, there's a reason why they send you on the jumps, right? You have to know what kind of climate and culture your command is working in. So when I meet someone new in our business, I want them to walk me through. I want them to teach me about their business, about what they do, and they love it. They really appreciate it. And I also read on my own. I still read today. I'm a voracious reader about the film industry, the television industry. But again, we have great resources. Prime Video also has a separate studio business called Amazon Studios in LA. And there are attorneys there who are a great resource. And also the business clients themselves are a great resource. Because when they bring you a problem, sometimes you're like, hey, can you explain your problem to me? If you ask the right questions and ask enough questions and be mentally curious enough, you'll learn a lot more than you than you, than you think. And then again, the, the flexibility we need as a JAG officer already when we PCS and switch jobs, it, it really transfers well here. Let me back up just a little bit. When you were going through the process of going from the internship to actually becoming an associate corporate counsel at Amazon Prime Video, the salary, the offer, was it in line with what you were expecting? You know, financially, we all want to keep the same lifestyle that we have in the service, no matter what the rank, but we realize that, okay, I get X amount of dollars tax-free So to get to that line, I've got to earn this much more. But we're coming out of a a foreign law practice, if you will, that we're not Mm -hmm. having done those things. So on the compensation aspect, obviously, you found it doable. You took it. But kind of talk to us about what your exposure, your experience in negotiating the compensation package was like. (laughs) Just trying to get for people that are going to go through that dance when they leave. So I obviously had no experience whatsoever <laughs> doing that at my old career in Jag Corps. And it was one of the reasons why the smart people in my life, like my wife said, never turn down an interview because you never, you need experience talking and doing the back and forth. And one of the biggest resources was hiring our heroes because they bring in people, experts to help talk to you, prepare you and to coach you and to give you resources and help to run you through the wickets on what a salary negotiation looks like. That helped me greatly. Having interviewed before, when I interviewed before hiring our heroes, like the defense contractors, that helped tremendously. It helped ease the anxiety. You know, I mean, the, one of the biggest biggest pieces of advice I got was that, you know, you have to do your research, know your value, right? Because in government, you don't know your value. I mean, that was something I struggled with a lot. In fact, I would say that was one of my biggest struggles was confidence and saying these accomplishments in the military 
they make me valuable, very valuable and competitive as a civilian. And I didn't believe them. I'm like, man, I'm just another vet. I'm just another guy. I'm, and my uncle came to visit me here in Huntsville back in 2021. And he had a friend with him who was an ex-Boeing executive. And he told him a little bit about myself. He said, do you realize that you're like a lottery pick in the draft? He's like, do you understand how much money you can make on the outside? And I just laughed. I was like, you're, you're out of your mind. <laughs> I surrounded myself with the people who believe both in and in Amazon, outside of him. I surrounded myself with people who may help me to believe in myself, even when I didn't believe in myself. That helped a lot to also say, hey, you know, you always negotiate. You always have to understand what are your priorities, right? And don't be afraid to ask for them because... For me, just like I had explained to you, one of my biggest priorities in getting out was to make sure I had stability for the kids, right? And so we live in Huntsville, which is actually has some of the best public schools in the South, just because of the infrastructure here of NASA and the defense contractor community. And we, we wanted to make sure that our son could finish elementary school in the same school that, because he had, he had never spent two years in the same elementary school. That was a big priority for me. But just like I was afraid to say it, it was just like that meeting with my SJ that I told you about earlier. It's like I knew what I needed to say, but I was still really scared to say it. But I did, and they were so reasonable and so nice and so accommodating, and that's why I'm still here now. You can't be afraid to ask for what you want, and you have to know what your priorities are. Follow up on that. What tools did you use for going into that compensation negotiations. Were you able to find the information on other websites about sort of the salary bands or the, what they expect? Or were you reaching out to people that maybe used to work at Amazon? How did you approach that problem? A little bit of everything. There's tons of information on the web about corporate pay at companies like these. I use that. I, I did speak to other people in the company. But what was also important was talking to people who not in the company who also work in similar type of roles and doing your research there too, because it's it's not just one company, right? When you do your research, you're doing you're entering a, a new profession. So you have to understand how the whole the outlook for the entire profession. And that means not necessarily just, you know, looking for certain people in your company, in your work group to talk to. So that way you have not just some numbers that you can say, oh, I, here's okay, here's the range. You need to understand, okay, what's happening with the industry? How's the direction of the of the industry moving? Things like that. How is the work-life balance working for Amazon as compared to being an SJ? Obviously, again, your last job impacted by COVID, but how is the work-life balance as far as your work hours and things now? Obviously, there's an asterisk next to me because I am a fully virtual employee. <laughs> I would say it's pretty good. Obviously, we work very hard. I mean, frugality and being lean is one of our core tenants. And so we do a lot with a lean versatile organization. But the same is kind of true in the JAG Corps. I would say work-life balance is good, though. I mean, I'm still able to travel with all of my son's dance competitions. And that's like a couple, one every couple of weeks. I'm still able to travel for my board meetings. I did one last week. You know, you don't have to ask someone for permission to go to a medical appointment. You don't have to ask someone for permission to take a vacation. You can just say, I'm going on vacation. <laughs> Or if I need to, you know, like I said, if I need to be there for, uh, oh, hey, my kid, he's got a recital or a dance competition or shooting a commercial, like I can go and do that and still be there for him. And the nice thing is it's more about, hey, can you get your work done? You know, I make my own hours. Do I work on the weekends? Nah, 
I haven't found myself really needing to do that because we go by the demands of the business. The business doesn't really do that. Same with the JAG Corps. I mean, you know, you're not going to pull consistent weekends and 90, you know, in, in almost any job, which is nice because it gives you that time to recharge and reset and spend some time with your family, which is really nice. So Augustus, do you wish you would have done it earlier? That's no indictment of the service, but I've heard guys that have done 20, 25, 30 years and they say, man, if I knew it was this much fun, I would have got out earlier. I would say no for me. A couple reasons, okay? One, getting here to Huntsville, getting the Army Contracting Command and having the experiences I had at Army Contracting Command, seeing the, the business side of the Army and dealing with crises at a high level and creating acquisition solutions at a high level for crises like the COVID-19 vaccine support. And ironically, you know, I was there during the emergency withdrawal from Afghanistan. We had to provide a lot of emergency contracting support and you learn a lot really quick about sort of how the business side of the army works, the contracting side. And then almost every answer to, to most of the questions in every interview I had stemmed from that time, the behavioral answers. It's hard to have a conversation with a Fortune 50 company for a position when you're talking about like a rape trial or with an enemy target, you know, or should you destroy a target or not? It's but if you can talk about, hey, here's the here's how we provided contracting solution for Afghan refugees that we you know and how we got them two billion dollars of support to move them to place on a on a military base and get them you know translator support, that's a real thing you can talk about in any in any interview. So that's one reason. I think two. I don't know if I'd be a Prime Video right if if I wasn't here. I, I wouldn't have made the relationships that, and the contacts that I made here that landed me here in this sort of green job had I not been did the time I did. And I say this because it's relevant, especially for people transitioning. I got great medical care here on the military side. I mean, I'm not saying, hey, come to Redstone for, <laughs> but I'll say this, like I was dealing with medical issues that I, in some cases, had trouble getting properly diagnosed, properly fully treated the right way. And I got almost everything that I've been struggling with got done here. I'm 100% disabled. I got, you know, I got 100% rating and I don't, definitely wouldn't have got that had I not been here. Definitely would not have happened. Augustus, they say timing is everything in life and sounds like that's how it worked with you. And we're probably out of time, but I want to say thank you for taking your time to come on here. Tell us about your journey. There's a lot of lessons learned. I mean, everybody's story is different, but there's value in all of them. And, and there's a lot of nuggets. And I think there's a lot of people when they hear you are going to be like, yeah, he's right. Putting a dollar amount to say, I'm worth that after years of not worrying about it and being part of an organization where being an individual is not as important as the team. And so thank you for adding value to this podcast. And thank you for passing along your lessons learned to the JAG community writ large. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe and tell your friends. After the JAG Corps is a TJW 50 Associates LLC production.